mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Value of a Savior. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Zechariah, chapter 11, verses 12 and 13, and Matthew, chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. Here now, Pastor Moody. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is the next to the last book of the Old Testament. We want to go to chapter 11 and read just a couple of verses. I'm continuing uh, this month, every Sunday morning, preaching on the Savior because we're dealing with crucifixion, resurrection, and Easter. And I want to deal this morning with the betrayal of Jesus when Judas sold him out for 30 pieces of silver. But I want to go to Zechariah chapter 11 and read verse number 12 and verse number 13. When you're there, say amen. Hallelujah. Zechariah chapter 11, verse number 12. And I said unto them, if you think good, give me my price. Let me translate that. Give me what I'm worth. He was saying, give me your heart. But, and give me my price. And if not, forbear. If you can't give me a heart, I don't want anything. I don't want anything. And so they weighed for my price 30 pieces of silver. And the Lord said unto me, cast it under the potter, goodly price that I was prized out of them. And I took the 30 pieces of silver and cast them to the potter in the house of the Lord. I want you now to run over real quickly to the New Testament on over just a few pages to Matthew. And we want to go to chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And we want to go to verse 14. Matthew 26, 14. The Bible said, Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said unto them, what will you give me, and I will deliver him unto you? And they covenanted with him for 30 pieces of silver. And from that time, he sought opportunity to betray Jesus, to betray him. I want to preach for a few minutes this morning on the thought of the value of a Savior. What's a Savior worth to a man to a nation, to a society, to the world. I've often thought this, the betrayal of Jesus by Judas is one of the most astounding yet understandable occurrences in the Bible. I mean, I understand that it happened prophetically, that it happened naturally because of the nature of a fallen man. That a man could know him as Judas knew him and betray him is unthinkable, yet I submit predictable. I want to preach on the value of a Savior. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Let your power, your grace, your favor, your blessings, your spirit cover us today. 
there is today the need of all of us to realize that we were bought, we were purchased from sin, not with silver, not with 30 pieces, not with corruptible things like gold or materialistic things, but with the precious blood of Jesus. God, let us know that we belong to you today because of Calvary and what you've done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. I want to tell you that we're living in a very perplexing, troubling time to me. It's like there's division on every hand. I, I fear our nation is maybe more divided now than it has been in the past. When I get to the political season each year, I cringe when they put those maps up on the news and America is evenly divided with red states and blue states. Once before, we were divided with the north and the south. Are you with me? And I, I understand that there's a great struggle and upheaval going on in our nation Yet I feel that the rallying cries of most are wrong. I've said in the past several months that we should shoot the donkey, shoot the elephant, and embrace the lamb. Can I get a witness? The reason being is that he alone stands as the symbol and the emblem of hope and unity and togetherness. I still believe we can be one nation under God. Can I get a witness? Only in Christ Jesus. The problem is there is within the heart of every person the potential of treachery. When I think about Judas selling out the Savior, I think if not for the grace of God, it could have been all of us. We could have, we could have sold out. A lot of people have for less tangible things than 30 pieces of silver. A lot of people have grown up protected under the umbrella of a church, the gospel, the preaching, the singing. If the statistics hold true, and I, and I pray against it, the reality is that many of the children that sit in this church, under this ministry, under this anointing, under this worship, under this preaching, under this Sunday school, under this Wednesday night kids program, Many of them will grow up and turn their back on Jesus and embrace something that's designed to take them to hell. It's treachery, can you say amen? It's an unthinkable thought, but it's true. When I begin to think that many have denied Jesus, many have failed him continually, some have betrayed him and sold him out. They betrayed his love, his trust. They betrayed his investment. The writer of Hebrews would say they've trodden underfoot the Son of God and the blood of the covenant wherewith they were sanctified and once made holy. When I, I sound like a prophet of doom, but when I begin to look at this, I thought about the typology in the book of Zechariah, which is fascinating. It deals with Joshua, not Joshua the servant of Moses, but Joshua who was the high priest, who was the picture of what the church is supposed to be to the world. You understand that the high priest stood before God to make atonement for the sin, to, to bring people to the place of propitiation, of forgiveness, of covering. And Joshua was that man. He was the high priest. And yet the Bible said in Zechariah 3, 
that he's the type of the restoration of the church. In Zechariah 3, he said, He showed me, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, standing over to his right hand to resist him. And the Lord said to Satan, listen to this, The Lord rebuked thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuked thee. Is not this a brand, a torch I pulled out of the fire? Then it says, But Joshua was clothed in filthy garments and stood before the angel. You'll understand if you go back and read Leviticus and Numbers and and Deuteronomy, the second accounting of the law. Before the priest could go into the holy place, they washed his body. They washed him down. They put on the clean linen breeches and the undergarments and then the ephod and then the robe and, and they put the mitre on his head that said holiness unto the Lord and then they poured the oil over him which was the anointing. I love to preach about that. I, I love to tell people you could smell him before you ever saw him because of the fragrance of the anointing and then you could track where he'd been because of the steps coming from oil and yet he would go into that holy place and sprinkle the mercy seat with blood and the cloud of Shekinah would appear and God would say I'm satisfied sin has been forgiven but here stood Joshua that redeeming man that church that presents a Christ a God of forgiveness and he's got filth all over him I thought today we're seeing that much of the church Oh, can I preach how I feel? I'm not judgmental. I'm not critical. But I believe that the church yet needs to be sanctified. The church yet needs to have a washing of the water of the word. The church yet needs to be clothed in holiness. Somebody say amen. The church yet needs to have on garments of righteousness and a mitre with a symbol that says holiness unto the Lord. The church needs to show the world we're connected with God. We touch him, but we can also touch you. We're the go-between now. We're the representation of Jesus to the world. And so yet, here's this Joshua, this high priest, standing there clothed, amen, with filthy garments. And he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, God did. The Lord said, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him, he said, behold, I've caused your iniquity to pass from me and I will clothe you with a change of raiment and then he said let them set the fair mitre back on his head so they set the fair mitre on his head clothed him with garments and the angel of the Lord stood by you know what that means it means holiness restored it means righteousness restored it means that church in the position of being anointed I want to tell you the value of a savior he was me when I was a sinner but can I shout it for 37 years he's washed me again and a, <laughs> oh hallelujah the mercy of the Lord endures forever perhaps you've fallen perhaps you've failed perhaps you've even betrayed him but can I tell you by his blood he'll wash you he'll clothe you and he'll set you back oh give him praise if you would Hallelujah. Let me hurry. Zechariah saw the sinful condition of the nation. But what he also saw, he looked at the nation then, but he also saw the coming of the Lord. 
He prophesied he's coming. You know the thing that keeps me going? He's coming. <laughs> Whoa. You missed a good chance to shout right there. The thing that keeps me praying, he's coming. Sharon, the thing that encourages me when I see the political mess we're in and the moral mess we're in, when I deal with people whose lives have been devastated by drugs, when I go into that county jail, when I walk into these hospitals, when I go into these homes and I realize how devastated people are, I keep saying, he's coming. <laughs> oh, hallelujah, he's coming. Soon and very soon, we're going to see the king. He caught a Bohoshataya. I, I want to shout more. I want to preach. I want to tell somebody, get blood washed. Get sanctified. Get saved by grace. Get the anointing back upon you. Put the mitre back on the church. Why? Because he's coming. Hallelujah. He's coming. He's coming. Zechariah said in verse 9 of chapter 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He's just and having salvation, lowly, riding upon an ass, upon the colt, a foal of an ass. You see, they expected Jesus to come on a white horse. They expected him to ride in with an army. They expected him to devastate the world and take over. But you know what he came to do? He came to save. He came to be obedient to the death of the cross. He came to humble himself under the mighty hand of God and be exalted in due season. But can I tell you, the next time he comes back, he's riding a horse. Oh, a white horse. The next time he comes back, he'll not be spit on. He'll not be beaten. He'll not be sold. But every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Oh, Shatabaha. Church, we got to get ready. He's coming. Zechariah said, he's coming. You better get ready. The angel said, why stand looking up? He's coming back. Hallelujah. Woo. Woo, shout a while. Shout a while. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I started to look into this. I got to preach. He said, I'll pour out. <laughs> Some people used to a little old sprinkling religion. You know, I loved what old Brankle said. Preaching one time, 10,000 in a camp meeting. All the big shots of the Assemblies of God were there. Brankle said, I want to preach about baptism a minute. He said, Some people believe in sprinkling. Some believe in pouring it over your head. Others believe in immersion. He said, the vaunted fellows on this platform only believe in immersion. But I believe in all three. He said, them that's just got religion in spots ought to be sprinkled. <laughs> them just got it in their head ought to have water poured over their head. But it's if you died, been buried with Jesus been raised a new creature. You ought to go to a watery grave. Be buried in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Come out there speaking in tongues and shouting. Come on, somebody. We need to understand that this God's real. Hallelujah. We don't have brill cream religion. Some of y'all don't know what brill cream is. When I was back in the 
my youth and, and Mike's youth, especially back in the 50s, <laughs> there was a product called Brill Cream. The look back then, you know, was greasy. That was the look. And they used to have a little jingle they sung that said, Brill Cream, a little dab will do you. <laughs> Brill Cream, you'll look so debonair. Real cream, a little dab will do you. Fellows, they'll love to run their fingers through your hair. <laughs> That's the way modern church is. We got a real cream religion. Do you hear me? We got it in spots. We got it in our head. But God's looking for a sold out, blood bought, born again, sanctified, buried with Jesus, walking in the newness of life church that'll show the world he's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. <laughs> He said, I'll pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they pierce and they'll mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. Shall be in bitterness for him as one that's in bitterness for his firstborn. He foretold that Jesus would be born. He foretold that he would be betrayed. He foretold that he would die, that he would come back in clouds of glory. He foretold that Jesus would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Can I say what a cheap price for a savior? What a loss, eternal salvation for a little material compensation. Today there's a cheapening of this great gospel taking, taking place across America and across the world. Oddly, right after the woman broke the alabaster box of costly ointment and poured it out on Jesus, and Judas said that could have been sold. Oh, do you understand his heart wasn't right? He, he wanted money instead of worship. Are you hearing me? And uh, it was right after the betrayal, and that, uh, right after that, that the betrayal was set in place, if you go to Matthew 26. And today I want to say the church is cheapening worship. The church is selling out for, for just a little quick fix, for a little, little bit of religion. There are people today whose their goal is not heaven at any cost. The true goal of every Christian, I have a sign. My office says the true goal of every Christian is heaven. Say that with me, heaven. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. You won't get there, amen, by just having a little dab of religion. You won't get there, come on somebody, by selling out to the world or the sins of the flesh and the sexual enticements of the world. You won't get to heaven. I don't care what the Supreme Court says is right by embracing some sinful lifestyle. And I'm not just talking about same sex. I'm talking about any sex outside of a marriage relationship. Come on, somebody shout with me now. I've come to tell you that God has a standard of holiness for the church, but it doesn't start by being a legalist or trying to keep rules. It starts by coming to know him, by being blood washed, by being born again, by having his spirit. Oh, do you hear me? When he's in you, you live right. Hallelujah. You live right. Let me, whoo, I gotta hurry. Let me, I'm just getting started. I feel so good. I wanna, say, I wanna show you some things I see in this chapter. First of all, I want you to see that God says, I give you a choice in Zechariah chapter 11. He said, I'll let you have beauty or I'll let you have bands. Look at verse number seven. He said, I will feed the flock of, I will feed the flock of slaughter. Those that have been just done so bad. Even you, O poor of the flock. And I took me two sticks, two staves. One I called beauty. The other I called bands. And I fed the flock. 
What this simply means is beauty means graciousness. God said, I'll feed them with graciousness, with a state. I'll, I'll just shower them with love. And then I'll show them bands. Bands, the word bands means I'll make them stay together. I'll bind them together. Two instruments of love. The shepherd's crook and the, or his staff and his club. God said the one I call beauty, graciousness. The other one I call bands or union. Listen, the union was, was broken. The effort to redeem them failed. Yet there was a remnant. There was a group that believed on Jesus when he came. They're called the infant church that was born after their own Pentecost. Amen. When the spirit fell, after the blood of Calvary had been shed and offered in heaven. Zechariah 11 and 10 said, I took my staff, even beauty, and cut it asunder that I might break the covenant which I made with those people. And I, it was broken in that day. And so the poor of the flock that waited upon me knew that it was the word of the Lord. Listen, grace was cut off to the house of Israel as a nation until the second coming. There's going to be a remnant of them saved. They're going to be martyred and persecuted and die by the millions under the oppression of Antichrist. But he said, I'll open up in the house of David a fountain for cleansing, for washing for Israel. But can I say for the church, for the Gentile race, for the whosoever will, to include the Jews, amen, and the Arabs and the two billion Muslims on this planet. There's one way to heaven. There's one door that God set before us and the grace of God is being poured out upon the church. Do you understand our purpose is not to get saved and live comfortably under the favor of God and enjoy the creature comforts that we're also prone to try to make more important than anything. God saved us to be a light. He saved us to be a witness. He saved us to be a burning salt in the wounds of sin. He saved us to be a city. Oh, can I preach it some other way? He saved us to blow the trumpet in Zion, to sound the alarm in the holy mountain. He called us to be telling the world, you better get right or you're going to get left. You better get saved or you're going to hell. You better come to Jesus. You'll face him as the lamb or you'll face him as the lion. You need Jesus today. That's the whole purpose of the church. That's who we are. Hallelujah. Oh, listen, listen, listen. I, I see the drug problem. I see the, the breakdown of the home. I see that 80% of all children born in America right now are born outside of wedlock. A teen pregnancy is not just a problem, it's an epidemic. Are you with me, somebody? I'm here to tell you the, the things that's been propagated in the public are just devastating to any society but our answer is not in a Republican it's not in a Democrat Are you? come on somebody help me I'm not, I'm not talking about your politics I'm talking about your religion our answer is Jesus Christ Woo! our answer is a born again experience our answer is a baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues our answer is old time Bible sanctification our answer is living right walking right and spitting white and you say amen our answer glory to God is being clean and sober and have not, have not been caught up in the excess. I preached the other night, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled. I want to shout it. I want Pentecost again like it was in the days gone by. I want everybody in the church baptized in the Holy Ghost, not just to shout and speak in tongues, but to be his witness. Can you say amen? 
be filled with his power. So I started looking at this. Let me, I'm going to close here just in a moment. There was beauty in bands. And then all of a sudden, he said, I want you to know something. Hallelujah. The worth of the Redeemer. He, he outlined it. Give me what I'm worth. But what they do, they sold him for 30 pieces of silver. Let me, let me put the question out there. What is Jesus worth to you today? How much is he worth? Is he worth your life? Is he worth your heart? Is he worth everything you have? I'm saying everything. I'm talking about husband, wife, children, family, business, possessions. Jesus said this. If any man loves houses or lands or father or mother or children or spouse more than me, they cannot be my disciple. He said, you've got to hate them. And somebody said, oh, you mean you got to hate your family? That, well, that's a, really a bad interpretation. Of the word literally means to love them less. I've got to have preeminence. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Jesus is Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And the good thing is when you make him Lord, the blessing pours down from the head and it covers all the way down to the skirts of the garment. Ooh, it run down to the feet. Are you hearing me? You get just right with God. Paul told that Philippian jailer, repent and be baptized and you'll get saved and your whole family will get saved and your whole household are you hearing me when we put him first he takes care of everything under us I've had people look at me and say why did God allow this to happen and I'm gracious but I want to say because you play around with church one of these days I'm going to get bold Some people play at church. If you, if you handled your job the way you handled church, you'd get fired. If you handle your marriage the way you handle Jesus, you'll get divorced, and a lot of them are. Brother Don, there was a day when there wasn't any divorce in the church. And don't misunderstand me. I know it happens, and some of you are the victims of terrible things. But in reality is, when couples get married, I tell everyone I marry, while they're sitting there with stars in their eyes and love in their mouth and, and just everything, everything, just old baby sugar darling, ooh, you know, I just can't wait. I look at them and say, get committed to Jesus first. Sell out to God first. I tell them, if, if, he, if, he, ain't married, if he ain't saved, don't marry him. If she ain't saved, don't marry her. Don't marry somebody except somebody of like precious faith. Are you hearing me? Don't marry a Catholic. Don't marry <laughs> No, don't, don't marry a Baptist even if you're a Pentecostal. Are you hearing me? I, I don't mean to be unkind. Join together of like precious faith. How can two walk together except they be in agreement? A house divided cannot stand. Me and my wife bought a car from my cousin one time and he had a plate on the front of it and said a house divided and had a Louisville Cardinal on one side and a Kentucky Wildcat on the other. He said, you can keep that. I said, you can take it or I'll throw it in the trash. Because my house ain't divided. No, you're not hearing me. I, I'm, I, you know, I'm a big blue. Go big blue. Hallelujah. But, but I'm here to tell you, I feel sorry for Louisville. They're home much. I'm, <laughs> I'm playing. My, my point is this. My point is, you guys look at me. Don't be looking at Brother Tom. Look at me. <laughs> 
My point is this. If Satan can divide you over finances, if he can divide you over child discipline, if he can divide you over, over the color of the curtains on the window, uh, whatever it is. I, I love Donnie Strong's out here. He, he's at home recovering from surgery. But he told me, he said, when him and Susie got married, he said he went to the house. He said, listen here. He said, you take care of the inside. I'll take care of the outside. He said, I don't care if you pile everything up in one corner. When I come in the house, I'll be happy. Are you hearing me? He said, but we're just going to have that agreement. I thought, man, that's pretty. That's some wisdom in that. And yet I see people that are divided. I see families that are divided. I see churches that have been split and divided over the color of carpet or the type of music or, or blah, 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 blah. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you there's a unifying power. It's called the grace and the favor and the blood of Jesus. And that's where we need to be under. That's what we need to be under. The worth of a redeemer. The shepherd, the Messiah, was sold, betrayed by the flock. To the betrayer, to the world, only the monetary, the temporal. Listen, uh, to them, he's cheap. He's not worth much. But to the worshiper, you can't put a value on him. You can't put a price on what Jesus is worth. He's everything, can you say amen? Remember the song, I'd rather have Jesus than you just fill in the blank. I'd rather have Jesus than anything. One of the 12 called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priest, coveted with them for 30 pieces of silver. The Bible said in Matthew 27, 1, when the morning was come, all the chief priests and the elders people took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They took him to the governor, to Pontius Pilate. And then Judas, which had betrayed him, verse 3 of Matthew 27, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, said, I've sinned. I've betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? see thou to it he threw the money down in the field in the in the temple they took it and went and bought the potter's field where they buried the indigent and people with no with no place to be buried the worthless the outcast are buried there and the, the bible said that that uh, judas sought a place of repentance but couldn't find it and the book of acts said he went to that place and hung himself josephus and it said there that his bowels gushed out Josephus said the rope broke and he fell over the precipice down to the ground and burst asunder fulfilling prophecy saying what? That if you sell Jesus out your life ain't worth nothing. It ain't worth nothing. Go ahead and give him praise if you would. The worth of a savior I'm going to say something here. It's cost me a lot to live for Jesus. I've had to sacrifice and give up a lot, do without things, and do things I didn't want to do, and go places I didn't want to go. And can I be real honest with you? Sometimes put up with people I didn't much want to put up with. Don't worry, none of them are here this morning. What do you mean? What do you mean? Sometimes sheep can be mean. They can bite you. They'll butt you. You know, you preach a good message, they come to you and say, well, that was good, but. Oh, I love the way you're shouting. Jesus, I've had people ask me, when did Judas go wrong? 
My answer was he is always wrong. Because Jesus said, I've chosen you 12, but one of you is a devil. Always has been. Put there for that purpose. Somebody had to be the devil that sold Jesus out. But it don't have to be you. He's already done it. It's already took care of. That prophecy is already fulfilled. Look at somebody say, it don't have to be me. And it don't have to be you. I love what Psalms 109 verse 8 said. said, let his days be few and let somebody else take his office. Matthias in the upper room, 10 days are there before Pentecost comes. Peter and the disciples get together and they said, look, boys, we've got to replace Judas. He was one of the 12. There's got to be 12 apostles. Somebody else's name has got to go on one of those foundation stones in heaven. There's got to be another apostle. said, who was it? And I heard Jensen Franklin, uh, I think it was this morning, said something about that. And he said, the thing was, he said, nobody knows nothing about Matthias. said, there's nothing else in the Bible about him, just that they cast lots and he got voted in. But it's a little more important than that because he saw everything the rest of them saw. Well, somebody would say, well, I really don't know if Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He said, excuse me, I was there. And I don't really know if he fed the multitude. Hello? I was there. I have apostolic authority. I saw him firsthand. And so all of a sudden, Judas is gone. His guts are at the bottom of a hill. And somebody else is taking his place. Somebody say, let the church roll on. It's the whole message there. Let the church be the church. So all of a sudden then we realize that if we cheapen Jesus, come on, Nick, what happens is there's the possibility of embracing another shepherd. He said, for lo, in verse 16, I will raise up a shepherd in the land which shall not visit those that be cut off, neither shall seek the young one, nor heal that that is broken, nor feed that that standeth still, but he shall eat the flesh of the fat and tear their claws in pieces. Woe to the idle shepherd that scatters. You know what he was saying? You reject Jesus and you'll take somebody else. Every time I've sat in that jail up there and looked at him with tears running down their face just recently, 30-some years old, I'm sitting there talking to him, tears running down his face, and, and, and everything in this world is disintegrated and fell apart. And I looked at him. I'm, sometimes I'm a little hard because sometimes love has to be tough. I looked at him. I said, I remember the day I was talking to your mama about the other day when every time the altar call was given, you was laying on the altar crying and praying. I said, then the day came you got grown and decided you didn't need that no more. And I said, you've lost everything because you'll either serve one or the other. You'll either serve God or the devil. And you might say, well, I'm not a bad person. Doesn't matter. If you ain't got the shepherd, you're still out there. Jesus said, in John 5, 43, I come in my Father's name and you receive me not. Another, the Antichrist, will come in his own name and you will receive him. John or Paul said in 2 Thessalonians 2 and 3, let no man deceive you by any means for that day shall not come. Talking about the last days, except there come a falling away first and that man, that, that other shepherd, that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, which means the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above all that's called God and that is worshiped 
so that as God, he sits in the temple of God and claims he is God. I want to tell you, the humanists, the seculars, the worldly, the ungodly, they're making everything a savior but Jesus. It's not politically correct to say Christ is the only way to heaven. If you're going to fit in with society and with the in crowd, you're going to have to tell everybody their little God, their little religion's okay. If you don't, you're a bigot, you're hateful, you're mean. Dr. King said, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Amen. That day at Washington Square. He wasn't looking for Muhammad. I couldn't even think of his name. That's how important he is. Mr. Farrakhan's wrong. There's only one Savior. Dr. King would have told him that. Just a Jesus. That's all you got. I'm just glad you got Jesus today. I'm just glad you're saved today. Now let me, how many have, now you think before you raise your hand, how many have made him Lord of everything in your life? If you haven't, you're living beneath the privileges. The Lord is my shepherd. I, I wish y'all would help me, shall not want. <laughs> he leads me beside the still waters. He makes me to lie down in the green pastures. You hearing me? Well, he restores my soul. Lord Jesus stand with me with you Jesus somebody just say Jesus say it again Jesus tell him say Lord you're my shepherd my savior tell him you mean more to me than all the world I'd rather have Jesus than silver gold. I'd rather be His than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses and lands listen oh I'd rather be led by a nail scarred hand than to be a king with a vast domain and be held in sin I'd rather have Jesus than anything this old world affords today. And said I. Hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time.
Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.